Good morning, brothers and sisters, family and friends. Really excited this morning to continue our Bible study on our theme in 2020, All In. It really has been just a great time uh, from the beginning of this year straight until now, looking at uh, those in the Bible, whether individuals or as a community, who are just fully committed in heart to God. This morning we go into the book of Psalms, Psalm 73, and it's not David, it's actually someone by the name of Asaph. I'm also excited about my location this morning. Um, I'm here enjoying the beauty of the outdoors, uh, the birds in the background, the trees, uh, the just wonderful morning breeze um, and the skies above really makes it easy to stop and think about the glory of God. And so my, my prayer this morning as we begin is going to be a little bit different. I'm just going to invite you, wherever you may be looking at this message, just to bow your heads, close your eyes, whatever you need to do, just for about 30 seconds of complete silence. I'm referring to what is known as contemplative prayer. This is a time where we're not actually saying something with our mouths, but we're really stilling our hearts, allowing God uh, to settle us. And while you do that for just a few seconds, I invite you to think about your favorite quality of God and really meditate on that as we bow in contemplative prayer at this time. I hope that wasn't too different for you and I do hope you were able to really reflect on just one quality of God uh, to really prepare your heart uh, for his word this morning. In Psalm 73, it reads in verse 1, Surely God is good. Now this, the verse actually continues, but I just wanted to stop right there <laughs> at the end of these first few words in verse 1. Surely God is good. You know, this someone could just stop right there without reading anything else from Psalm 73. Surely God is good. It's good to Israel, the psalm goes on to say. But I ask us this morning, even as we, we think about what it means to be all in, do we remember how good God is? Do you remember and do you still see God as faithful, as, as holy, as righteous, as wonderful, as loyal to you, as abundantly generous in your life? 2020 has been a year with such a difference. Who could have predicted the year would have been like this? Is God still good to you no matter what 2020 has brought? Asaph begins this psalm and he says, surely God is good. Let's not forget that. He's a good God. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. It's a biblical expression that interestingly enough also communicates this theme of all in, to be pure in heart. As one spiritual writer years ago, in fact, wrote a book entitled, The Purity of Heart is to Will one thing. To be pure in heart is to be fully committed to God in such a way that absolutely nothing 
corrupts that devotion to him. So when in the Beatitudes, Jesus talks about blessed are the pure in heart. He's, he's talking about those who from the inside, there's nothing getting in the way of their love and their devotion and their union and commitment to God. Asaph says, surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Guys, here's what's going on with Asaph. He says, look, I know God is good. And I'm going to strive to be one of those who's, who's, who's pure in heart. But he says, guys, I'm, I'm struggling. And here's why I'm struggling. I'm looking at the people around me. I'm looking at those who are not following God. And they seem to, they seem to be happy. <laughs> He says, no, something is wrong with that. <laughs> I am here trying to be pure in heart, trying to, to devote myself to this good God. And there are all of these just wicked people. He says, they're arrogant. They don't have time for God. And I'm watching them. And, I'm, and it feels like they are enjoying life. They're prosperous. He says in verse 4, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limit. He says, look, they're healthy, they're strong. <laughs> they, they, they seem to have no worries. And then here am I trying to, to be pure in heart. And these people have callous hearts. This, is, this isn't fair. <laughs> this isn't right. It can't be God. And, and Asaph, is, he's, he's, he's almost venting. He's, and I, I know we can relate as we think about our Christian walk, as we think about walking in the footsteps of biblical discipleship and thinking, can I continue with this when the world seems to be looking attractive to me once again? It says in verse 8, they scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? Guys, you see what's happening here? Not only are they healthy, strong, getting rich, loving life. They even seem to be taunting God to some degree. They, they, they're laying claim to heaven. So there's a part of them that almost wants to connect with things that are spiritual and then at the same time saying, but, boy, is God really there? Does God really know? I'm, I'm free to live how I want. And Asaph is wrestling as he looks at the ungodly, as he looks at those who aren't walking in God's path. And he's thinking... Is that a better life? <laughs> Should I really continue on this path of purity of heart and devotion to God? And I know we can relate to this, whatever is the length of your spiritual journey so far. Aren't there times, brothers, sisters, family, friends, where we feel like this, this pursuit of God and doing things God's way? And is it really worth it? I look at so many people around me and my family at my workplace and 
they seem to be just loving life and enjoying life and just doing well. And I hear fighting up <laughs> with this godliness and this purity of heart. And we can really feel like Asaph and wonder, have I really made the right choice and the right investment here? Verse 12, he says, this is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. You see that combination? Carefree and getting rich. Now tell me you're not tempted to think, boy, that is the life. <laughs> Carefree and getting rich. I don't have to worry. I don't have to stress. I don't have to put in all of this extra hard work and self-discipline and all of these things. The spiritual living, no, carefree and getting rich. Who in this COVID period would want to have that combination of, you know what, boy, I have money in the bank. I have nothing to worry about because I just love in life. This is a real struggle that Asaph went through, that thousands of years later, those of us who are striving to walk with God, we can relate to this because life gets hard. Uh, the, 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 the walking in Jesus' footsteps doesn't always bring uh, just the peace and the, and, and, and the glory and you know what we thought we, we signed up for at our baptism. And hardships kick in and we, we get dealt cards that we just didn't expect, we didn't know how to handle. And we question, have I made the right choice trying to be all in with God Almighty? Verse 13, he says, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. I have washed and have washed my hands in innocence. You see the struggle? Verse 1, he says, God is good to those who are pure in heart. <laughs> but then by verse 13, he says, you know what? I think I've kept my heart pure in vain. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I should continue. He's questioning his spiritual commitment. Maybe he's not seeing the results that he was looking for. And we, we, can, we can relate to that. We can feel like, I don't know if I'm seeing the results. Man, I'm, I'm coming out to church and I'm, I'm striving to be committed. Man, I'm even trying to, to be on time with the online services. Trying to make all of these little differences. But this purity of heart, is it worth it? I'm trying to resolve those conflicts with the brothers and sisters who... You know, I've had difficulty with, I'm trying to keep my heart pure, trying to purify my motives. I'm trying not to be competitive and, and, and jealous against others and wonder how this brother and this sister name get mentioned and my name didn't get mentioned. I'm striving to be pure in heart, but is it worth it? That was Asaph's struggle. And I think that could be our struggle as well. Such a relatable psalm. You know, Asaph continues in verse 14. He says, all day long, I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. Sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes we feel like well, every morning is a new challenge. But I thought all the challenges for the week were finished. And every morning is a new punishment. It's like, how much longer can I continue? You know, great, great quiet time maybe. And then you get to the office. Some stress. A wonderful, wonderful prayer time. You jump in the car for those who are still driving to work and not working from home and something happened in the traffic. <laughs> you know? Or you get a phone call that just throws you off at the beginning and you're just thinking, but I had such a great time with God and now this. 
And sometimes it feels like every morning is <laughs> a new punishment. He says, if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. And I appreciate Asaph saying, you know what? This struggle that I'm communicating here, I couldn't speak up about it all the time, you know, because I could affect other people if I was this real. Especially the younger generation. And maybe sometimes you feel like that. Maybe sometimes you say, boy, you see how I'm really feeling about my Christianity right now? I know if I could tell somebody else, you know, I might shake their faith. And, and maybe that's the case. And so maybe that's why we have a book like Psalms, where you can first go to God. You could be real with God and say, God, it's been so many years. But I'm not feeling the joy anymore. I'm, I'm not feeling the joy of my faith and the joy of my Christianity. I feel like I'm going through the motions. I feel like I'm clocking in on a Sunday morning, but I'm not really looking forward to the time of connection with my brothers and sisters. I feel like I know what's the right thing to do, but, you know, it's like I'm programmed and my heart is no longer there. We can go to God. And we can be real, we can be authentic, we can tell him, this is how I'm feeling. I, I want to recapture just motivation from deep within and not just going through the emotions. And not feeling like, wow, boy, this COVID period has actually been a relief because I could actually kick back a whole lot more and not really be held accountable. And I like this Sunday mornings because it's not Zoom, so they can't really tell if I come to church or not. <laughs> that's how, that's how we, it can be. As, as we struggle. But then something amazing happens in verse 17. He says, Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. For Asaph, it was entering God's sanctuary that made the scales drop from his eyes. Before that, he looked on with envy. He was troubled in heart, disturbed, because in his spirit he was feeling like, what I'm doing isn't worth it. And I'm looking at everybody else who isn't walking this godly path, and he's feeling that that life looks better. And then what happens? He enters the sanctuary of God. And at that point, he understands the final destiny of those who are ungodly. That's the turning point, brothers, sisters, family, friends. It's entering God's sanctuary. Have you been to the sanctuary lately? And notice, maybe in the original context, the sanctuary represented the temple, a place of collective worship. But I wonder if you realize that especially during COVID where there is no collective worship, that you can enter God's sanctuary every day. In fact, I think this is probably one of the blessings in disguise of COVID because we can't rely on the church to carry us forward spiritually. That's just support and encouragement and connection. But in this COVID period, we must enter God's sanctuary, sanctuary every day on our own. That is when we can see spiritually. That is when the scales drop and we can realize, wait a minute, what was I struggling? Why was I struggling with envy? 
Why was I even thinking that there's a better life outside of Christ? It's entering the sanctuary that made the difference for Asaph. And you know, when we continue from verse 18 to verse 28, you will see the change of his tone. He wrestles a little bit. He talks about what he was going through. But the psalm ends in such a positive way. You can see the transformation that happened with Asaph when he entered the sanctuary of God. You see, something special happens when we connect with God in our holy space. It's the sanctuary of our souls connecting with the sanctuary of God. And there's almost a, a, a mystical, mysterious union and connection that happens in the heavenly, in the heavenly realms that we can't put we can't touch, we can't feel, we can't even express. But something special happens when we connect with God. Isn't this what we were created for? Let's be inspired by how the psalm actually comes to an end. In verse 19, Asaph says, actually from verse 18, Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed? Completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. You see what happens? He says, look, now that he's entered the sanctuary, he realizes, man, they're doomed for destruction. Anybody who's walking apart from God, who's not living in, in, in humble and reverent submission to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the Holy Father of the Old and the New Testament. If you choose to live outside of his kingdom values and his kingdom principles, Asaph says, you know what's going to happen? That path is destruction. So why was I even envying looking at a life outside of God? He's coming to his senses. Why? He entered the sanctuary. In verse 21, he says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a brute beast before you. You see, his, his honesty says, you know something? <laughs> it's like he's reflecting on what it was like before he entered the sanctuary. And he says, look, my heart was grieving and my spirit was embittered. We can relate to that. We know what it's like to have a heart that's grieving and a spirit, a spirit that's embittered. Things happen. Things happen in the church. Things happen outside of the church. And our heart grieves. Our spirit gets embittered. Mistakes happen in the church. Brothers and sisters sin against you. Leadership make decisions you don't agree with. We get embittered. Our heart grieves. And then we focus on that and we start focusing on the individuals and we stop seeing the holiness of God. And the fact that God always works through imperfect people. That's the history of the Bible. Flawed, broken vessels like me, like you. God delights in working through us. That's when his glory is made manifest. Because he can take an imperfect, flawed, broken vessel and make us into something. <laughs> That's the grace of God. It's the Spirit of God living inside of us. And so when our hearts grieve and our spirits get embittered, it's so important to go back to the sanctuary. Go back to the sanctuary so we can see spiritually again and not focus on what's happening around us. But instead keeping our eyes 
on God. In verse 23, he says, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. And this is where the, he's moving towards the end of the psalm and it's all oh, the glory, the anticipation is building because he says, you know what? I was struggling before looking on the outside. But now he says, this is what I remember. I'm always with you. God, I have you. He says, you're walking with me. You're holding me by the hand and you're guiding me with your counsel. And let me just make a little cross-reference here. This happens to be verse 24 of Psalm 73. On your own, take a look at Psalm 119, also in verse 24. You know what it says there? Your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. So here in Psalm 73, verse 24, he says, God is guiding me with his counsel. Where's the counsel coming from? It's coming from God's word. You see, this is why we need to enter this sanctuary, this place of prayer, this place of Bible study, contemplation, reflection, silence and stillness, so we can be guided by God's word. Those are the counselors that the psalmist in Psalm 119 spoke about, and that's the guidance that we need. Brothers and sisters, we know we're emotional. <laughs> we know we react in all kinds of strange ways, unchristian ways to different things. It's because we need God's counsel. Where does the best counsel come from? His word. And so if, 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 if we're entering the sanctuary, bathing our hearts with Holy Scripture, we give ourselves a great chance of walking with inner peace. And no matter what is going on around us, in or outside of the church, there's a part of verse 23 and 24 that actually sounds like Psalm 23, that good shepherd guiding us, restoring our souls and taking us to green pastures and still waters. This is what happens when we enter the sanctuary. That's when our hearts can be all in again, undivided, unpolluted, completely pure before God. If you're not inspired enough by Asaph's transition, listen to the last four verses in Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Those last four verses, does it get more all in than that? It says, heaven and earth. There's nothing I desire more on this earth. Whom have I in heaven but you? It says, no matter where you look, you look above, you look, you know, here on this earth, God, you're the only one I desire. There's nothing else that matters. And I love Asaph's use of the word desire. Because, guys, I think some of the struggles that we face, and maybe even for Asaph, was the question of desire. 
Have you been praying about your desires recently? Are you, are you desirous for God? The things of God. But I want to be able to just really zero in on this whole idea of desiring God. Because what could happen to us is that we want the blessings of God. We even want the promises of God. And those are good things. But what about just desiring God? Same. I just want to be all in with God. If I have God, I have enough. Everything else is lanyap. <laughs> Everything else is just, you know, what they say, frosting and gravy and all of these other things. All I desire is God. Separate the blessings and separate the goodness that you feel from him. Just being with him and just, just holy presence. You know, another psalmist speaks about and I believe it's Psalm 42, you know, when can I go and meet with God? <laughs> That's what he longed for. It's like he woke up in the morning, it's like, when I could have a date with God, where I could go? How, how could I, how can I connect with, with God? I just want to be in this sanctuary because that's all I desire. And then he says, you know, boy, my, my flesh could fail, my heart could fail. <laughs> yeah, boy, we feel like that. Are we getting older? Flesh failing, <laughs> you know? And, and, and stomach growing because of COVID. Oh, that's a whole other story because we can't exercise the way that we want to. Flesh falling apart is like, oh gosh, I'm feeling out of shape. It's like, but you know what? No matter what's going on, even with our flesh, even our hearts, Asaph says, God is the strength of my heart. And it's a real interesting journey that happened in Psalm 73 because in verse 1 he says, God is good to the pure in heart. By the time he gets to verse 13, he says, but I wonder if I should keep up with this pure in heart thing. I, I don't know if I should keep up with this pure in heart thing. You know, and then by the time he gets to verse, 23, verse 21, he says, boy, my heart was actually grieving. My spirit was embittered. And he gets to verse 25, 26, 27. It's like, boy, my heart might actually fail. <laughs> so it's like, okay, is it purity of heart? Is it grieving heart? Is it... Is it, is it failing heart? <laughs> Whatever happens, he says, you know what? God will be the strength of my heart. That's what happens when you enter the sanctuary. You're all in with God. The church isn't the strength of your heart. We're a community striving for holiness together on a journey. But the church is not the strength of your heart. Your discipling partner, your spiritual mentor, your big brother, your big sister, the person who studied the Bible with you, they're not the strength of your heart. God is. And no matter what strong influences great people may have in our lives, and there's room for that, we don't put our faith and trust in man to take us through. God must be the strength of our heart. covid 2019, COVID-19, you know, taking us into this year has really, I think, cemented the need for us to have God as our strength at the depth of the heart. We must individually get up and be motivated to be with him, to worship, you know. Such should be our walk with God that by the time we clock in for church, man, that is just kind of topping up. But we've been We've been in the sanctuary every day. 
on our own, in our own spaces, being strengthened by God. And then he uses the word good. He starts in verse 1 saying, surely God is good to, to Israel. And then he ends in verse 28 by saying, as for me, it is good to do what? To be near God. He says, all that matters. <laughs> See, if I'm close to God, that is a good life. <laughs> that is a good life <laughs> if I'm near to God. Because he fully has everything worked out. And we know what Romans 8 says. God works for the good of those who love him. He's a good God. And it's good to be near him. But we have to enter the sanctuary. You know, so as, as I close, I want to give us some, maybe some practical tips as to how we could enter this sanctuary. Because I'm, I'm suggesting that from Psalm 73, we can be all in with God by just entering this sanctuary, verse 17, a whole lot more regularly. So let's just do a, a, a quick run through of some, some models of prayer from the Bible that hopefully would be encouraging for all of us. And this is going to be a, a, um, just a very, very pointed list. So model number one, I'm calling it the Daniel prayers. Daniel chapter 6 in verse 10. We really get to see just the incredible relationship that Daniel shared with God. And I'm reading the second part of the verse where it says, Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God as he had done before. Three times a day. So that's the Daniel prayers. You can enter the sanctuary three times a day. Six o'clock, noon, six in the evening. You choose. The Daniel prayer is one option. Another model, I'm going to call them the temple prayers. And we actually get this from Acts chapter 3 in verse 1. It says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. So Peter and John had a specific time in the afternoon where they went to the temple to pray. So maybe you could have a very, very special time. And I'm, called, I'm just calling it the temple prayer. It could be three in the afternoon. Maybe you're at work, you can't run away. It might be in your car on your way home if you're driving alone. All right, if you're working from home, it could, you could choose the time. But the idea of having this dedicated time, this set time in the day that I know this is a time of prayer. All right. Um, so you have the temple prayers as well. So that's, that's model number two. Model number three, I'm calling them the midnight prayers. And we get this from Psalm 119 and verse 62. It says, at midnight I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. I don't know what kind of alarm system the psalmist had back in their days, but he says, at midnight I rise to give you thanks. So that's the midnight prayer. You can set your alarm. Set your alarm for 11.57 p.m. So that by 11.59 you're getting yourself ready and, and you, you're breaking the new day in prayer. It's kind of like how some people bring in the new year. You know, we do different things and some people feel like, well, I want to start the new year with prayer. So, you know, they, they wake up around 11.55 and they pray and then, you know, it's like, hey, it's a, hey, it's, it's, a, it's a new year and you brought it in in prayer. So you have the midnight prayer. That could be a sanctuary time for you. Model number four, I'm calling the dawn prayers. This is also in Psalm 119 and verse 147. It says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your word. 
So here's the psalmist who says, I rise before dawn. So he's, he's getting up. It's still a little bit dark. Almost sounds like Jesus in, in Mark 1.35. It's not yet dawn, so the sun hasn't come out yet. And he gets up to pray. That's his sanctuary time. That could be your sanctuary time as well, the dawn prayers. The fifth model, I'm calling the all-night prayer and meditation. It's the very next verse, in fact. Psalm 119, verse 148. My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. Can't sleep. <laughs> Up all night. Doing what? Meditating on the promises of God. Those are the all-night prayers, the all-night meditation. That's another way that we could just have sanctuary time. Now, if you want to go to another level, I'm going to call the sixth model the monastic prayer. Monastic really coming from the term referring to, 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 to the movement of, of monks. And monks, you know, traditionally, they've, they've, because of their lifestyle that they've chosen, and, and yes, they do serve communities, etc., but, but their lifestyle allows extended periods of prayer and contemplation. All right? And uh, when I read this psalm, it will just, this particular verse, it will, it will become even clearer. So the monastic prayer I'm saying is coming from Psalm 119, verse 164. Seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous laws. Seven times a day. <laughs> so this year seems to be a time of seven times of, of prayer throughout the course of the day. And um, some of my recent readings, we actually have the, um, we actually have the, 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 the older, older Christians, ancient Christians, all right, choosing seven different periods throughout the day. And, and, and listen to the hours. Dawn, that's prayer time number one. 6 a.m., prayer time number two. 9 a.m., then 12 noon, then 3 p.m., then 6 p.m., then 9 p.m., seven times for the day. I mean, that's next level. But maybe you can do it. Maybe you can try it. And notice what the psalmist says, seven times a day, I praise you for your righteous laws. Imagine you can actually take seven different scriptures and pray thanking God and praising God for those verses throughout the day. Or maybe you can do what, you know, the, again, the, the, the ancient Christians, some of the Christian mystics, what they call the Lectio Divina, which really means spiritual reading. You could actually maybe take a verse or passage really, really slowly. And you might just take a phrase from one verse and pray through it really slowly pray through it meditatively and you can take one verse and maybe break it down into seven parts you know so maybe it's psalm 23 verse 1 you know the lord is my shepherd so maybe at prayer time number one you're just talking about the lord it's just god who's in charge who's 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 holy who's sovereign you know and you talk about my shepherd and maybe we just want to pray about my <laughs> in prayer time number two in the day he's my shepherd <laughs> I have, I have closest, his God is mine. <laughs> I belong to him and he is mine. And then maybe the third part of the day, you're praying about shepherd. Oh, he takes care of me. Green pastures, still waters, you know, soul restored. So you can pray like that seven times a day. That's another way that you could enter the sanctuary. And then the final model comes from Luke chapter, uh, chapter 18, verse 13. This is the, the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the tax collector says a simple prayer. God have mercy on me a sinner that prayer has actually become known as the jesus prayer all right um books have been written on this one prayer and, and the different variations of it the jesus prayer actually uses lord jesus son of god have mercy on me a sinner some versions just have lord jesus have mercy some you know lord jesus son of god have mercy on me so there are different variations of it, but it, it really stems from 
the very humble prayer of the, the tax collector. And that's called the Jesus prayer. And so I just gave us seven different models of, of, of prayer, of options in terms of entering the sanctuary. And of course, this is not an exhaustive list. But what we get from the scriptures are just different ways, just creative ways that the people of God just really enjoyed connecting with him. This is, this is what life is about. This is what Asaph says, it's, it's good to be near God. So whether it's a dawn prayer, whether it's a, a temple prayer at a set time, whether it's you're ambitious and you're praying, you know, maybe you're praying seven times a day, thanking God and praising God for specific verses. Or maybe you're getting up at midnight or maybe you're having an all-night prayer. Maybe you want to do an all-night Zoom prayer, whatever it might be. The idea is not to, to clock in sometime. The idea is, is connection with God. That's where something special happens. That's where the power is. That is what keeps us going. That's the strength of our heart that Asaph speaks about. And so sanctuary time is prime time. It's valuable time. It's non-negotiable. This is separate and apart from our times together as a community doing Bible study. This is you and God. Every day. When you communicate, you get close. And sometimes this even means that your sanctuary time is you being silent, where you can listen to God. It's what the ancients have referred to as centering prayer. Prayer as listening. And that has been new to me as I've read more and more that prayer is not just me speaking with God, but it's also me listening. We see things like that in the book of Isaiah, you know. We even hear Samuel say, look, man, speak, Lord, your servant is doing what? Listening. <laughs> this is another aspect of our, of our sanctuary time, just being quiet and just listening to God. So, as I pray, I want to encourage us to really learn from and be inspired by Asaph. His struggle was real, but he was authentic and he, he wrestled, he wrestled with, with God and he he spoke about being like a, a brute beast and just senseless and ignorant and acting out. He was, he was real. And, and we want to act out like non-Christians sometimes because we feel like this struggle is, is so hard. But Asaph got back to a place where he says, I desire nothing but God. May that be the desire of our heart as well. That we'd be completely all in with him. Let's pray at this time. Father, teach us how to be all in with you, to be near you. That is the good life. Please hear our prayer and bless the meditation of our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.